0: Okay, hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Maisie, right? Maisie. Maisie, yeah, Maisie, our mascot. Yeah, she's very cute. I like that the fact she lies down and it
1: doesn't try to eat me. But well, She's a good dog. You're listening to the latest episode of Noreen's Kitchen Cast. I'm your host, Noreen Gillis, and I'm so pleased to welcome my very special guest today, the Aussie gourmet, Naomi Nachman. Thank you all for listening and subscribing, and especially for all the likes and comments on Facebook. Go to Noreen's Kitchen Cast on Facebook, where you'll see a photo of me and my guest, Naomi Nachman. Naomi Nachman was born in Sydney, Australia, and now lives in Woodmere, New York. Last year, in 2017, she released her first cookbook, Perfect for Pesach, and it is perfect for Pesach. Her second book, Is currently available for pre-order. Once again, perfect. Perfect Flavors, subtitled, creative, easy-to-prepare recipes, inspired by my family and travels. Naomi is also a personal chef, a cooking event host, a radio host. Boy, she sure keeps busy. When she was recently in Toronto, we had a chance to chat. Here is our conversation. How did you get started in cooking? Tell me how you made a career that's really gone gangbusters. Yeah,
0: that's a good word. I like that one. Okay, it's a little bit crazy. So in the year 2000, I got a book by you. At the same time, I got Susie Fishbinds. Probably the first book she did was Kosher Palette. And then I think Kosher by Design came out right a little bit after that. But I had read both books. Um, Yours and Susie's books from cover to cover and I was pretty already good in the kitchen. I loved cooking. I love entertaining. Every week I would have guests for Friday night and Shabbat lunch and I really was cooked for my family and I just I loved cooking And, and these two books changed my whole cooking from like noodles and cheese for the kids to like real meals and you know they were eating fish and fresh soup and salads all from the explanations that you had given. And then from there, I you know, just cooked and cooked and cooked for my family. And then I started my personal chef business and everything else grew from there.
1: That's amazing. So who cooked in your home when you
0: were growing up? My mom. My mom and my grandmother, both excellent cooks. I talk about them in my book. My grandmother had a tiny kitchen in her apartment in Bondi Beach, Australia in Sydney. And she was able to cook up a storm like no one in her tiny flat.
1: Wow. Did they let you help? I wasn't really interested. No? I was an
0: outdoor person. I still am. I really did not show much interest. I was not really good at academics at school. I had no, as you can see, it's half me to sit still by how busy I am as an adult. And I, I, I didn't want to study. And I'm not saying this to the kids who are listening. Study. My kids are great studyers. They're actually very focused. They get that from the father's side. I'm focused on cooking. So, you know, as as I got older, I got my focus. Um, but while my friends were studying, I would cook up steak lunches. I'd pull steaks out of the freezer, cook my my friends' food, while, and they would all come to my house for lunch. So
1: they did really well in
0: school, and I did really well in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. I was a kid who was basically controlled by food. If there was food, I was there. I would watch my mother cooking at her table. I figured out that. The My mother had a rectangular table and if she had had a round table she could have pulled her dough for knishes and wouldn't have to go around the corners. That was my logic until I had a round table and found out that the dough didn't pull as well on a round table. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah but my mother really didn't let me help in the kitchen. I just watched and I just absorbed everything and if there was food I was there. Yeah I wasn't so into the cooking part. I liked good dinners
0: like it was never an issue. Like there was always food on my table. There was always a soup and a salad and a protein. I, I think in general the Australian culture, without being having so much, so many kosher restaurants, if you wanted to eat out Chinese food, you made it yourself. So my parents, as as they are big foodies, they they made their food they made the food my 21st birthday in sydney australia my parents made a chinese banquet for 100 100 of my friends
1: oh my gosh
0: yeah so they you know you learn how to cook that's a
1: lot of chow mein yeah that was a lot (laughs) and chow
0: they're really good cooks um my my parents are always giving me recipes whenever my parents are over it's really funny my my parents are over now my dad makes the best spaghetti bolognese i wanted his recipe so you know, I made him uh, do it with me. The whole recipe goes, add a few glugs of red wine. I'm like, Dad, I need to know what glugs is. As, you know, you write recipes and he's not a recipe writer. He just has it in his head and he eyeballs how much red wine. So I can't write down, add, add three glugs of red wine. So I actually measured it out and we poured it and, and tasted it. And, you know, so it was really good. Like, So I tried to get my parents' recipes.
1: which I- That's funny because... When I did my recipe for cinnamon twists, I had my Baba's recipe, and it called for a yardside glass of oil.
0: What's a yardside uh, glass of what's oil? What's a yardside?
1: Exactly. So I measured the yardside glass, and so I had the measure. And what is it? it's actually uh three quarters of a cup there you go (laughs) it's not a cup you heard it here first well everybody had a york glass nobody used measuring cups they would measure in their hand right you know uh a spoon of salt is in the palm
0: of your hand yeah i still do
1: that sometimes i know i still do but when (laughs) i write my recipes and they have to be analyzed then i write them more precisely i don't always cook as precisely cooking is more of a uh a do-it kind of thing, and baking is more of a science. Yeah, I, that's why I like cooking. But to me, taste rules. Taste rules, yeah. yeah. Right. So tell me about Australia, the foods that you grew up with, your favorite foods, the the Australian influence on how you cook today. You know, I'm an Ashkenazi Jew,
0: and that's really what we ate. I grew up in an Orthodox home, um, and, you know, it was pretty traditional. We had homemade gefilte fish. It was no, There was no frozen loaves you know, when I was growing up. I, I don't know if they had them back in the North America back then either. Um, but, you know, my grandmother until her dying day made gefilte fish from scratch and, um, you know, I can't say there's something very Australian like meat and lamb is definitely very much on the Australian yes, la- kosher sure. barbecue and yes. the Australian dinner scene Um Definitely a lot of meat. We can't get a lot of kosher cheeses, especially when I was growing up. But I haven't lived in Australia for 26 years. I may have the accent. <laughs> you But do. I, I'm more mm. a New Yorker than I am Australian at this point. But I love going to Australia and get the lamb. The lamb in Australia tastes completely different than lamb in America.
1: I never ate lamb growing up. The first time I had lamb was maybe, I was probably 19. Oh, wow. And my mother cooked at home, and I never went to restaurants other than a good corned beef sandwich, or that was about it. Right, right. You know,
0: my parents are always impressed with the size of the American sandwiches. Those corned beef sandwiches are like four inches high my mother used to pull everything out of it like who eats a sandwich so big but it's very americans have these giant portions but in australia growing up i would definitely say we had a few kosher restaurants in sydney in and out of business over the years i guess like most kosher restaurants have some sort of lifespan but um we ate meat pies. Meat pies is very Australian. I'm trying to work on a recipe now um, <laughs> for for an Australian meat pie, which is really delicious. Um, it's a meat filling. It's kind of like a, a bit like a meat bereka, but the dough is a little different.
1: I grew up on schmaltz and griebenes. I love griven. Ah. You know who makes
0: a good one, griven Pomegranate in, in Brooklyn. The... Oh,
1: I've been there. It's the most <laughs> amazing store. Oh, that's... Hi, Maisie. Ma- Maisie. Maisie, I think, would like some <laughs> griven. <laughs>
0: Okay, you know what? I'd like some Griffin. I'm going to bark too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, Maisie is a, is a dog who eats human food. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, she's our tester. She smells food I cooked for her.
0: That's very nice. Who wants to be Noreen's pet? I think that would be so great. Like, I you know. get gourmet meals every night. Somebody asked
1: me to put out a line of kosher pet food. They actually had a kosher la pesach line this year, did you? They know? did? Oh, yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> I always say if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my dog. That's <laughs> right. Unless it's got onions or chocolate. Let's pause for a moment to hear from one of our sponsors, Mug and Meats. Kosher, clean, fresh, and top quality. Mug and Meats' prime objective is to make kosher meat more convenient and more affordable for kosher consumers. Choose from raw, marinated, and cooked meats and poultry, luscious lamb, and my Noreen Gillis Kitchen Products Nitrate-Free Vacuum Pack Deli. Although Mug and Meats is located in the Toronto area, they will ship by the pallet to places such as Vancouver, Edmonton, Nova Scotia, even the U.S. Mugandmeats.ca. M-A-G-E-N. Mug and Meats is where I like to shop. And now, back to my conversation with Naomi Nachman. So what do you like to cook at home, Naomi, when you're cooking for your family? Will your kids eat all the things that you're testing, for example? Oh,
0: they love when I did my cookbook. (laughs) Um, We would have these grand dinners or when I, you know, have to do a bunch of recipe testing or when I'm cooking for clients and I make a little extra, you know, for the family. I'm, you know, good at time management. So if I'm already making one thing, I'll make myself extra for the family. Um, You know, my kids are pretty easygoing eaters, I would say. Dinner isn't dinner without a salad. I love fresh fruit and vegetables. In fact, I get my vegetables from May through November from a farm. Oh, wow. I have a CSA. I belong to a CSA. From the farm to the table. From farm to table. So I love that kind of – I pick up my, food, my box. There's five of us in a rotation. and So it means I only have to go every five weeks. It's about a 10 to 15-minute drive and um, we take turns at going and dropping off each other's boxes. Um, but I love the surprise because you don't always know what you're getting.
1: And so you like to work with the surprise ingredients and then become very creative. Be, and
0: I love it. I just, I love, I love vegetables. I've always been like that. I've been, a, I'm a big salad eater, but I don't eat peppers or we call them in Australia capsicum. Oh, capsicum. Yes, I don't I know. eat capsicum or, and I don't love cucumbers, but I'll have them in a salad.
1: Okay. So uh, it, I'm more of the starchy stuff. I know I shouldn't, but I grew up on those things. And... <laughs> yeah. I'm not so big into starches. I don't eat rice though. Oh, I don't love rice, but I love most of the K rations. I like knishes and kreplach and kasha and kishka and all of those good things. (laughs) I like what you call them. (laughs) Yeah, good old K rations. That's, well, that was how I grew up. Right. I happen to love soup. I'm a big soup. Oh, I'm a big soup lover.
0: I love, if it's a hundred degrees outside, I will still have chicken soup on Shabbos on Friday night. I'll sit there (laughs) schwitzing,
1: but I have to have soup. I love, love, love soup. Yeah, I love chicken soup. I I have made it in the chick- uh, I've made it in my instant pot. I've made it in the microwave. I've made it in a big soup pot and I've got an easier way now. I use the these they're called soup socks. Have you ever used them? No, what is a oh, soup sock? Oh, they're fabulous. They're a cheesecloth bag. I'll, this is a good tip for you go okay. into go into one of the supermarkets here the kosher supermarkets and they're called soup socks they're um like a long mesh bag and you put your chicken into one you put your vegetables into oh, another I was just talking yeah. about that because it's so amazing you get
0: floating bones no deal and, floating and uh,
1: now you don't have it because you everything's lift the in whole a... you lift the whole mm. thing out afterwards and you've got clear clear soup it's wonderful
0: Okay, I'm so going to try So you
1: learned something new?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, but I you would like to But you can get it that.
1: on Amazon. I know they're available on soup Amazon. Soup Socks. Uh, okay. Soup Socks. Sock it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote about it actually uh, for Canadian Jewish News. Um, I call it foul play. I did a whole article on chicken. And starting from chicken in the pot and then grilled chicken and chicken in a casserole for Shabbos. You know, people like to know how to take an ingredient and sort of spin it. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I do too. Are I you like doing? It. Are you doing sheet pan dinners at all? So I have.
0: I've written about what they are. I have made one or two of them. Um, in theory, it's a great concept. I just haven't done it, but I love it. I have done it, and um, should do it more often. You know, I've only got one kid at home. Three of my kids are out the door. Like two are in college, yeah. away at college, and one is married. Um, so it's not always such a big house for dinner so i should really i could easily make a sheet pan dinner
1: yeah it's really really easy you put your vegetables at one end you put your protein you know on uh, on there as well everything goes in the oven and you try to time it so that all the foods that are similar ready are in once. time, yeah I should do that,
0: especially we we do eat a lot of fish, yeah. something I never ate growing up. Well, I never fish- liked to gro- eat fish. When my mum mom said, would say fish for dinner, i like raw my eyes, and now I write fish recipes almost for a
1: living. Well, we ate salmon from a can. I never saw fresh salmon, almost never. Gefilte fish, yes, and pickerel fillets, because that was a w- Lake Winnipeg thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And everybody has a different version on gefilte fish. Did your grandmother make it sweet or salty? Okay, that's
0: a great question. Um, My mum told me when... Well, my parents told me when I was growing up because my dad had it salty because my grandmother on his side was like originally Russian background and my grandmother on my parents' side had it sweet, super sweet. So when they got married, there was always a point of contention, sweet, salty, sweet, salty, right? I don't know too many people that have it salty now, the truth. In any case, like not that many. Most people have it sweet, But they always said, when you go start dating, find a boy who eats sweet gefilter fish. That was like a priority (laughs) for them, really. Like (laughs) that's how important sweet gefilter fish was to my mother's side of the family. And seeing my grandmother was the – my mother's mother was the one that made it on our side – it was always very sweet and it was delicious. Okay. And there we...
1: was... Salt and pepper for us. Oh, salt. There you go. Yeah, I liked it with salt and pepper. I like lots of sweet things. Um, but, but just not your fish. But not my fish. So one of my assistants who's
0: Spanish in my kitchen, um, shes I love her. She's great. Sylvia, shout out to you. She'll be so happy that I'm doing this. She goes, I love your Jewish food. She loves chollen and challah. And every week I give her a challah to take home. But she goes, yoga filter fish, What? She cannot (laughs) stand gefilte fish. You have to be raised on gefilte fish to appreciate it.
1: It's interesting. I had a Japanese student who was um, going to school here, an exchange student. Oh, wonderful. And she had to say what her favorite Canadian food was. And she said, Passover rolls Ah. I was hysterical she thought they were the best thing that she had ever eaten
0: I'm so happy to hear that as someone (laughs) whose brand is Passover that is
1: amazing is that funny yeah (laughs) oh fantastic that's very cute and what are your favorite cooking shows do you watch them cooking shows
0: I feel like my life is a cooking show (laughs) well it actually is it's really interesting that you know um cooking shows have actually turned into Instagram stories on on your iPhones, right, or on your whatever smartphone you have. You watch all these people cooking who are real home cooks, not some sort of, Persona on television who's making something not kosher that you like can only dream about trying to convert. You can turn on to uh, to Danielle Renoff, Peace Love and Carrots on Instagram, and you can watch her go through her day cooking and shopping. You can watch Melinda Strauss of Kitchen Tested go through her day cooking. Honey Applebaum, you've yes, amazing. millennial
1: kosher. It's yes.
0: amazing. You can go through her day, or you can turn on my Naomi Nachman Crazy Hour. That's what I call myself, and you can watch. So that's what actually I got into these. Personal people, people who you can relate to, you can understand. They're wearing a, a scarf on their head, their shatels flying, the kitchen's flying, they've got kids at their feet. Is Estie Walby, who runs the group, I don't cook, but I give yes. out recipes. She, Does she cook? Yeah, she's a great cook, and her blog and her Instagram is Cooking with Tantrums. And she'll put up her baby at her feet. While she's cooking up a storm, you know, so it's really amazing. They are the shows that I like to watch and they're actually my friends. So it's very inspirational. Wow,
1: it's so interesting to hear that we have so many similar interests. And and when I went to, a, um, to join a, um, IACP many years ago. What's that? It's International Association of Culinary Professionals. Oh, that's a mouthful, Yes, yeah. And it's a great organization, not kosher. That was the days before I was keeping strictly kosher at home it was, I met people who understood me. Because I talked about food, my world revolved around food. I think food is the, the essential things. I always say that uh, we're connected by a giant umbilical cord that sort of spans the globe. And that's, you know, food is the main connector. I love that. That's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. A big thank you goes to our sponsors for their support. We hope you'll support them too. Fruit of the Land Culinary Market specializes in selling unique, all-natural, and kosher products, including their award-winning Avocado Blossom Honey. It's like amber gold. I'm at the newly reopened Fruit of the Land at Promenade Mall in Thornhill, Ontario, and I'm with co-owner Stacy Kurtz, who is as sweet as can be, a little sweet thing you are, just like their honey. So, Tell me all about, you say you like to talk about honey. What have you got to tell us and share with us?
0: Thank you, Noreen. Yeah, this is very exciting because of all the honeys in the entire world. Last year, this avocado blossom honey at the New York Fancy Food Show won the award, the Gold Sophie Trophy for best honey in the entire world. The judges included Martha Stewart Living, included Rachel Ray, included some of the top chefs, and they chose... Believe it or not, in the entire world, with thousands of entries from all over the world for the Sophie Awards, the Avocado Blossom Honey as best honey in the world. So
1: it is a must try. It's very thick. It's very rich. It's absolutely worth trying. For more information about all the Fruit of the Land culinary market locations and about their shipping right across North America, head over to their website, fruitoftheland.com. It's where I like to shop. Root of the Land Culinary Market. And now more with Naomi. She's the host of a very special culinary event, and it's called Kosher Chopped, or as she likes to call it, Kosher Chopped. These events are modeled after the popular Chopped TV competition. It's where chefs are challenged to put together dishes with ingredients you may not think go so well together, and sometimes they're really, like, weird. So I gave Naomi a similar challenge. If you'd like to see a photo, go to the Noreen's Kitchen Cast Facebook page. You'll find a direct link in the show notes. First of all, here's how Kosher Chopped got started.
0: Okay, so what happened was the Kosher Culinary School in Flatbush was run, um, ran the, uh, a cooking competition at Kosher Fest and they asked me for like two years in a row to be a judge. I'm like sure why not, I love this kind of stuff. So I was a judge and then the cooking school closed down. So I was asked by an, an organisation who had seen me do it and they said could you put something like this together, the cooking school's closed down, we want to do like, take, basically take Chopped on the road and you'll be our MC and you'll help us put it together. I'm like, sure, I I, I can do it. Always looking for something to do. I can't sit still. So, like to Macy's, yes, Spilkes and Tuches. That's right? it, exactly. So, I... Went to Macy's and bought pots and pans. I bought stuff on Amazon and stuff on Groupon. I personalized boards. Uh, oh, I
1: love those personalities. Yeah, the
0: nice touch. We, I, I did aprons. All of a sudden, I had a business. I put on Instagram and Facebook. And all of a sudden, my phone does not stop ringing for the last two years for chop competitions. I've gone to Los Angeles, Chicago, Detroit. Um, Toronto whereas, Toronto Toronto is my first international one but I actually don't call it chopped I call it hopped because you know we don't want to copyright it so and we're Jewish and C-H is H, so it's kosher chopped. Like Naomi Nachman.
1: Oh, I heard the ch. Huh.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like a joke, but I, I call it kosher chop. And it's basically, a, it's a cooking shop. It's one round though. And you know, you get the same mystery basket of ingredients. I put in crazy things.
1: So we're going to turn the tables on you. Uh-oh. And we're going to give you a mystery pack that we threw together with some strange things lurking in my fridge. And we'll tell you what we have here. We have a box of... Matzah leftover from (laughs) Passover, because I didn't use it all up. Uh, We have, what is this here? Dried fruits. Dried fruit. There's bananas and um, apricots, or would you call them apricots? Apricots. Apricots. And it looks like dates and cranberries. Uh, Chocolate chips, of course. And I think there was a really good chocolate bar in there. I thought this was an interesting one. It's from a fruit of the land. It's um, a garlic, salt, and pepper. And if you get a chance to get Sanitra. it, it's so good. I know what this I is. I put it on everything. I don't need a lot of spices. I just put it on. And the big ingredient of the day, of course, is cauliflower. AKA the new potato. The new potato. I have probably five recipes minimum in my new book that I'm working on on brain health using cauliflower instead of potatoes and because it's really a good food for you good for your brain and it looks like a brain it actually it does look like a brain there you go i never thought about it it's true and um so what would you make with all of this so
0: are you giving me a chop combat a virtual yeah i've turned the
1: tables i told you this
0: is hilarious okay (laughs) i already thought of something
1: okay okay i would grate the
0: cauliflower yes it's just these uh, do i have pantry items yes okay so i would take a an onion i would fry an onion um, I would grate the garlic, I would um, toss the matzah in with the onion, I then finely chop up the fruit, so it would be fruit, like cauliflower rice, the matzah all fabulous. Uh, chopped in i would season it with your salts right i think we have a great little side dish i would um add in about two or three maybe i don't know these are tiny little mini chocolate oh, chips. That, that's why maybe a, a, a half a teaspoon of the chocolate which gives it a really nice deep rich, rich flavor i would saute that so let's recap onions and garlic sauteed right. throw in some rice cauliflower add in my matzo farfel saute it, adding my fruit, which will really go nicely with a little bit of chocolate and season it with salt and pepper.
1: And I would probably add some curry powder or some chili, maybe chili powder, because so, chili powder goes so I really thinking, well with
0: chocolate. So I was thinking uh, red wine as well.
1: Oh, I would a put the A splash of no. red
0: wine. Oh. Like, a, oh. like a tablespoon of red wine, because red wine and chocolate, when they're done together, are really gl- rich. How
1: about a glug like your father would a do? A glug. It? I would <laughs> do a glug of red wine. Yes, a glug. A little glug. There you go. Shout out to you, dad. Ah, nice. Good. That was really creative. So I did good? Yes, you won. Yay! (laughs) It's been a delight having you as a guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for teaching me so much. Thank you for teaching me so much. Oh, we teach each other. Okay, (laughs) we all grow together, right? Yes, we do. Sometimes sideways.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome high five to that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Naomi It's been a slice. (laughs) Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks for having me.
1: You can follow Naomi on Instagram at Naomi Nachman. N A O M I N A C H M A N. I'm on there too at Noreen, N O R E N E underscore Gillets. G I L L E T Z. Noreen underscore Gillets. You can find Noreen's Kitchen Cast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and please leave a review. It only takes a moment and it's really helpful. If you're new to podcasts, there are easy to follow instructions at noreenskitchencast.com. The Noreen's Kitchen Cast team is comprised of Braden Garrett, who does our music, Rochelle Solomon, my producer, Maisie the dog, our official taster, and the background barker. And I'm Noreen Gillis, your host. Happy cooking, happy eating, and of course, happy holidays. Oh, Oh, shut up, Maisie. (laughs)